words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. Some blind like me this week are Stacy and Stan Robinson. Did I get that right? That's, That's right. Correct. Damn good. And they're a married couple from what town? We are about forty-five minutes south Away from of Nashville. Nashville, Eagleville, Eagleville, Tennessee. Now, east or west or north? Which, which direction? Middle. This is Middle Tennessee. So you're 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 west of Nashville. You no, know, actually, we're sort of southeast. Of southeast of Nashville. Well, it's a long way from Texas to Nashville. We've driven it several times, going up there, trying to pedal songs or, or do something like that. It is quite a long way. It is It is a very long way. Now, uh, do you mind me asking your ages? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> no. I, I guess I just did, whether you minded or not, didn't I? <laughs> That's ridiculous. We'll have to answer it now. Yes, you yep. will. Yes, you I'm, will. I'm 29. Really? And I'm 47. I'll be 48 in November. Is that right? Well, I'll be 64 in October, so uh, well, happy birthday. we're all aging along there, aren't we? Now, you folks, uh, this is a, not a strange town for a blind person to be in, but what it, what is to do there? What size town is this? What is? This is a small town. It's a very actually. small population, about 500. Really? We are surrounded by uh, cattle, hay, hay fields, <laughs> and cattle uh, where we are. It's very rural. It's actually not... A very accessible town for a blind person to live in. That's what I was thinking. You don't have any cattle or hay fields yourself, do you? No. <laughs> no. We're just surrounded by them. Surrounded? Do, though. <laughs> yeah, well, a bucolic setting, you know, sometimes is is nice. Our town is, of course, our town's a lot better. Our town is 40,000 now. Good heavens. Wow. We're like a, a you know, we have a Walmart. Within, oh, you're moving up in the world. I could almost walk to Walmart from my house if I was so inclined. It's that close. I'd go broke. He would. You love Walmart? Uh, no, I hate Walmart, but you can get everything there. He right. loves to hate Walmart. <laughs> yeah, you, you go in to buy one little thing, and you come out with a basket full of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we live here because my family is seven miles down the road. Okay.
Okay, so you have sort of a support group there. Yes, we have mm-hmm. a good support group. A wonderful Do you? support group. Here. And so, Stacy, you were born and raised in this town? Or no, what? I was born and raised about seven miles down the road in one direction or the other. <laughs> in, a, in another little town, another mm-hmm. small town. called yeah. um, College Grove. College Grove, Tennessee. Which is literally a spot on the highway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You blink, you'll miss it. Yeah, let's go back uh, to early times. Tell us, Stacy. Tell us about how you you lost your eyesight. Were you born this way, or what happened? I I was born this way. I have. I'm an ROP person. Okay, and so you've been a total all your life. Yes. Stan. I was born with congenital cataracts. My mother had rubella while she was pregnant with me, and it caused that particular um, deficiency. And I had about eight operations before the age of two and gained some eyesight. And I'm what you might consider maybe a medium to high partial. And I've been that way my entire life. Okay, so you've got a sense of colors and... Um, oh, I've got a sense of form, color, shape, everything. Yeah. that, that... Read paper and everything. Oh, can you? You, yes. you have that much vision. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't drive. That the only thing you can't do is drive. Right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like it or not, it helps to have someone with some sight around. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is no question about it. Uh, we're all safer that, because he can't drive. <laughs> we're, yeah, well, we're all safer because he can't drive. Actually, I, I think I'd make a good driver. Probably. The other people on the road that I worry about. You probably would. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and uh, both of you, tell, t- Stacy, tell me about your schooling. What did they do when you were six and it was time to send Stacy to school? Actually, they sent Stacy to school. They sent me to school much earlier. They sent me to preschool when I was three. Really? Someone had told my mother that it was a good idea for all, quote, handicapped, quote, because this was the 70s, um, children to be in school by the time they were three. Mm-hmm. So they sent me to preschool from the time I was three till five, and I was in a class with people with other types of, there were lots of multiple disabilities in the class, all different Mm -hmm. kinds of disabilities and a few people who didn't have any disabilities. And then from there, I went to the Tennessee School for the Blind in Nashville at the age of five. Okay, but in this preschool thing, did they teach you, try to teach you some Braille or no, none of that? No. Just, uh, what did they teach you, to tie your shoe or what? taught you you know i don't remember well um, i had exposure to braille in that, like books with shapes made in braille that kind of thing that they had gotten from the blind school okay. mainly how to interact with other kids yeah how to take off and put on shirts and know that they're correct yeah which you are know. all good things to know well i mean little things you know that yeah that somebody's parent might teach them. Okay, but at age six, they sent you to the Tennessee School for the Blind. At age five, actually. At age five. Tell us about uh, Tennessee School. What, now, what, that uh, was loads of fun. I'll <laughs> bet it was. I remember going to a summer program there before actually starting, and you got to see other blind kids, and you didn't see Braille, but you got to see, like, tactile pegboards and, you know, what would be like maybe the predecessor to learning Braille. Mm-hmm. And um, after I finished that program, I started in kindergarten where I did start learning Braille. So when you said it was loads of fun, you meant it. 
You, you had a good experience at a blind school? Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good. I'm, I had such a good experience that I stayed an extra year. <laughs> really? You stayed an extra year. Well, yeah. I was supposed to graduate in 94 uh-huh. and opted to stay an extra year to get a few more classes that I would have needed for college uh-huh. and graduated in 95, and that was the best decision I ever made. All right, Stan, what did, what did they do when you were time for you to go to school, a little well, partially blind? I have an interesting story about that. All right. This was in the 60s, of course. Yeah. I started to school in public school in my little town where I grew up. I grew up in a very small town like Stacy did. Uh-huh. Um, only in the 60s, my parents didn't really have the support groups or anything, you know, to lean on. And all we had was a lady from the county that would come and bring things to me like... Uh, toys and you know um, little she brought me a chair and they'd bring me they brought just general stuff and they didn't offer a lot of assistance when I started to public school well first of all I was very small for my age Um, I only weighed like maybe 17 15 to 17 pounds when I started in the public and and you were five years old and I was five man the teacher that I had, they gave me large print books, but she wouldn't let me use them because she was afraid I'd get them dirty. And she wouldn't let me sit near the blackboard, so I couldn't see what she was doing on the blackboard. And they decided that I didn't belong in the public school, so they had to find, you know, some place for me to go. And the lady from the county happened to tell my parents about the Florida School for the Deaf and the Blind in St. Augustine. Yeah. I started to that school and had to start over. I started there when I was eight, and I weighed 28 pounds when I was eight years old. And I attended the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind all the way through graduation. I graduated from there in 1970. This teacher that wouldn't let you have the books because you'd get them dirty mm-hmm. or wouldn't let you sit next to Blackbird, I guess in the 60s you could get away with that kind of crap, couldn't you? Well, yes, there weren't any real laws to protect you back then. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of us, just ignorant people, didn't know. You know, she she was an old school teacher. She'd been there at that school a long time. And I guess it's just, you know, the times have really changed in that respect. No, my, haven't they? People are more aware. Well, and for the better. Uh, well, yes, yes, definitely for the better, even in the blind schools, I think. So you went to the Florida School for the Blind? Yes, I did. Okay. What were you, what, uh, what did you, how did you feel about that? Did you enjoy it? I loved it? it, actually, because when I got there, there were all these other blind kids, and I thought I was had died and gone to heaven because I didn't feel like I was the only one like me anymore because I had known no other, you know, uh, disabled or physically challenged people growing Mm. up. And so you thought you were the only one in the world. I thought I was the only one. And when I found (laughs) out that I wasn't, it was like this whole new, you know, realm opened to me and I didn't like feel so alone. And a lot of the kids when they went to school got homesick and my parents couldn't understand why I didn't get homesick. But I actually sort of felt like I was home because I had other people around me like me. And they had uh, large print books for you there? Uh, large print and all sorts of, you know, just really neat stuff in small classes. Yeah. You know, where you weren't like a number in the class. I mean, my public school class, even in a small town, was a fairly large class of about maybe, uh, you know, 15 to 20 kids. And I remember thinking, you know, 
that this is great because I was only in a class of like maybe eight or nine people. Yeah, in uh, Florida school. And some of them back then, some of the, of course, blind schools now are multi-handicap schools, a lot of them. But right. back then it was it was mostly blind children. It was it? completely it was... just all blind children. And well, I have a good friend who lives in Jacksonville, and she and I went all the way through school together. She started when I started, and she finished when I finished. Yeah, that's kind of nice. To, do you still keep up with her? Oh yes, I try. Yeah, that's that's kind of nice. I went to, we went to Austin, which is the school I went to um, a month or so ago, and saw some kids that I, kids, hell, they're sixty years old that I hadn't, that I, I hadn't seen these folks in forty years, and it was just, it was, uh, it just, you know, it it just took my breath away. I thought about it for a week, seeing these. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's it is. That's a really nice thing, getting to go back that I don't think you get in public schools. We went back for the graduation this year at my school. They're celebrating their 160th anniversary. Is that right? And it's nice to be able to go back and see people that you knew and teachers and... And see all the changes they've made. Uh, oh, there's the, been some changes. <laughs> the uh, blind school in Austin, you would not know the buildings. They've completely gutted them and remodeled them. It doesn't resemble at all the, the old, old school I went to. So two different blind schools yeah. that you graduated from. Two different states. Two different very states. Similar very similar backgrounds. Stacy, what did you do in high school? What, how was your, tell us about your high school. Did you play a band instrument? or? No, I was in forensics. In what? Forensics. Explain. Okay, those yeah, you'll have to. Those of you who don't know what forensics are, I guess we never competed against the people in Texas. Um, it's public speaking. Various types of. Yeah, public you have speaking. like um, eight-minute oratory, humus, humorous declaration, serious declaration, all different things like that. Um, poetry, storytelling, and you have to. In most categories, memorize whatever it is you're going to talk about. Write your own introduction, and com you compete against other blind schools. So it's kind of like debate, but mm -hmm, different. Sort of. Only more. It's, 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 I guess it would be closely associated to maybe a drama competition. Yeah. Only with uh, elements of debate and... Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And they had these impromptu categories where you had to, um, they'd give you a topic and you had an hour to write something on that topic. And then you had to speak about it. What uh, wonderful training uh, that would be for. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved it. For, for someone. We competed against blind kids from Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, yeah, um, but you didn't compete against sighted Michigan. kids. We didn't when I was in school, but they are now. Well, good. They we should. Did. They they. Florida. So they had that in Florida also. Yes, we did, and I competed. That's why Stacy said that she and I have very similar backgrounds. Yeah. I did that in school in the seventies, sixties, and, and I 70s. did it about twenty years later. <laughs> I did it twenty years later. You know, I've I've never looked up the word forensics. The only contact I ever came with that word is, uh, who was the guy on television who was the world of forensic medicine? Well, see, yeah, most people associate it with that. Right. Yeah. It's actually a study or a uh, dissection of anything, any topic or subject or, you know, 
what's the word I'm looking for? So it means it means dissection. It means uh, yeah, taking apart. You have to take it apart and understand it. Okay. Right. I guess I'll, when I go in the house, I've got a little talking dictionary. I guess I'll look it up if I can figure out how to spell it. Tell you what, let's take a break, and, and uh, we'll get to, to what Stan did in high school, some of the things he did. And we're interviewing uh, Stacy and Stan Robinson from Tennessee. Back in just a minute with more Blind Like Me. Hi, my name's Donna, and for the past five years, I've lived up here in the cold country, Rochester, Minnesota. I'd love to move love to a warmer is place, but, you know, the audio magazine you know for singles. Anyway, I'm around 32 years old, give or take a couple of years, and never been married. Oh, come close once or twice, but things just didn't work out. If you'd like more information about this exciting new magazine, phone toll-free one. 877-2220-679. That's 1-877-2220-679. Or you can receive the same information as an email. Our address is loveisblind, all one word, at blindlikeme.com. That's loveisblind at blindlikeme.com. On November 7, 2004, in Houston, Texas, we'll record our 100th Blind Handyman Show. And you're invited to the celebration. We'll begin Friday, November 5th at the Sheridan on JFK Boulevard. Saturday, we'll have special motivational speakers and panel discussions on blindness issues. Then it's Saturday night and on to live music and karaoke. Sunday morning, we'll record our 100th Blind Handyman Show. And we've got something special planned for Sunday afternoon. Then it's Sunday night and time for more live music and karaoke. All in all, a great weekend to meet old friends and make new ones. For more information, call 936-634-9500 or email philpar at txucom.net. Reservations and meeting room space are limited. It's first come, first serve. Join us in Houston, Texas this November and we'll guarantee you a weekend you'll not soon forget. 936-634-9500. From, I can't remember the name of the town. What is it? Eagleville, Tennessee. Eagleville, Tennessee. Happily married couple. Uh, she is 29. He is 40, late mid 40s, and uh, 47. 47. Good age. I remember it well. Um, <laughs> actually, I barely remember it as old as I am. And we were talking. Uh, both of them went to blind school. Stacy to the Tennessee School for the Blind. Stan to the Florida School for the Blind. And Stan, you say you did uh, this uh, this uh, debate-like thing in in high school also. Yes, actually, I had a very full. Um, high school experience, I guess you could say. I um, worked at the school radio station. Do what? I worked at the school radio station. The school a small, had a radio station? Yeah, we had a small two-watt two radio station. <laughs> this, was in, this was on FM? It was on AM back in those days. A little two-watt AM transmitter? Yes. What frequency? 
gosh, it's been so. Hey, don't ask me questions. Stan. It was way at the top of the dial. Way at the right top, at the top of the dial. So. Um, but it was started out as W. Uh, I don't remember. P A M was the first call letters, and then uh-huh. we changed it to A T R when three of us took over from the guy who graduated that owned it before. Uh-huh. And then we ran it for three years, and uh, I ran it actually with two other friends of mine that did. We did the primary uh, programming. You know, we all three of us were involved. I also participated in the chorus. So I, did I. I forgot to mention that. So did Stacy. You know, and. I used to compete in voice competitions and things like that. As a as a vocalist. As a vocalist, yeah. yeah. We had to take some kind of music at the Florida school. They wanted you to be involved in something musical. Well, I tried guitar, that didn't work out. I tried piano, that didn't work out. So I figured I could at least sing, uh-huh. <laughs> and that did work out. But you gave up on the guitar and the piano. Yeah, I don't consider myself exactly. Uh, instrumentally inclined in that respect. But uh, when I graduated from high school, I had a three-octave range. Uh, That's that's a lot of octave. That's a lot of range. Yes, which Um, was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I would say that's uh, that's considered excellent, um, three octaves. I mean, all, it's not anywhere near that these days. All, all usable uh, octaves, all usable notes, three octaves? All, yes, considerably. Um, well, let's get back to the radio station. You figured I would, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Um, because there, there are, well, not only me, there are so many blind people that, that gravitated to radio because it's our medium. I mean, it's what we hear. It's what we can listen to. We don't, television's fine, but there's so much silence in television. That, anyway, radio, so did you folks have a license? Yes, we did. We had a license. Uh, license by the... The FCC tests and everything. You took uh, the third phone exam? Yes. Mm-hmm. To I operate, take the meter readings on your 2-watt transmitter. Yes. We, I, I took the test and everything. I had a license. I still actually have um, my license to uh, work at the radio station. Yeah, it's called a third phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you still have that now? In my wallet, yes, I still have it. Now, what sort of, uh, besides a transmitter, what did you have? You had, of course, a control board of some sort? And, yes, uh, we had a nice little... Uh, Dial-up control board. It had dials on it back in those days, you know, knobs. Yeah. Um, We had outfitted, we had went to Radio Shack and got them to retrofit some turntables for us Uh to be able to plug patch cords into, you know, in order to do line out. Yeah. So we had two turntables, and we had a Sony four-track reel-to-reel that was modified with stereo um, recording heads and playheads. Mm Mm-hmm. And I used to put all of our music on reels so that if I had a particular blind person who wasn't comfortable with using records, they could use the real the real tapes. And I had all of the songs that were on the real tapes done up in Braille, as a, you know, in a list, so that, that you could tell what was on each tape. The tapes were numbered, and the songs on the tapes were numbered so that, you know, you could find a specific piece if you wanted it. And... We had that, and it was a pretty nice setup, actually, and we had a very extensive music library because we got cooperation from some of the record companies Sure. send us records and programs. We used to run the Wolfman Jack show, and we ran Robert W. Morgan. Yeah. Uh, we had several things that we ran like that on the weekend. <laughs> so we had quite an outfit. 
that's uh, pretty progressive for a school for the blind uh, to to realize that need of blind children. Uh, you know, we did the, in the fifties back when I was in school. We had I had my father built me a couple of turntables and I had a mixer and we'd put a speaker outside on the ground and sit there and play DJ all weekend. Of course, we didn't have a didn't have a transmitter, but you could we'd crank it up where you could hear it all over the campus. Uh, and that was our radio station. I don't know if back then if you could have gotten the little license like you all had. Well, we had to have permission from the school. And sure. The man, the guy that was in charge of the station before was really responsible for getting it going because he was really interested in radio. And he worked at a local radio station in St. Augustine. Yeah, I was going to say, did any of the people that, that were there ever go on to have a career or, or do anything in radio? So he did. Yes, and he, he was... He didn't wind up in radio. It's funny because after, you know, going through all of that, he actually went to broadcasting school for quite a while and did not wind up in radio, wound up in vending. Well, most people who get into radio within a few years decide that there's no money in it because there, there isn't. Is no, I've, I've actually worked in radio, so I know. So you, you're aware that there's no You've worked at a commercial station, haven't you? I worked, yes. I was the program director for a small market country music station for two years. Really? Yes. What a deal. They're in in Tennessee or in Florida? In Florida. In Florida. So you realize that, they're, you know, $72 a week and all the records you can eat. Yeah. That was, you know, that's the old uh, catchphrase. <laughs> all right. Well, we're leaving Stacy out. You haven't left, have you, Stacy? No, no, I'm here. You, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go away because we're talking radio. All right. Tell us about your high school uh, days. You, you say you were a vocalist? Uh, I was in chorus, actually, from junior high all the way through high school. And we, the thing that I remember most, you know, we did your typical Christmas programs and spring concerts and that kind of thing, but we always got to go to the Capitol nearly every year at Christmas mm-hmm. and sing for the representatives. And there is this one place in the Capitol in Nashville that has the best acoustics. It echoes, and it's just fascinating. That echo coming back to you when you sing. Yes. <laughs> and that is like one of my favorite memories from high school as far as things I did. I was mainly only in chorus and forensics because I was a day student. I didn't Oh, were you? There. So, um you know, I, I did things that I wouldn't have to stay after school too much for. <laughs> so, you, but you didn't have the privilege of living in dormitories like the rest of us did. Oh, well, if you want to call it that, <laughs> a privilege. Yeah, I, was I stayed in the dorms for one year, um, my junior year, Yeah. just to get the experience, and decided very quickly that I wouldn't be doing that the next year. <laughs> but you had to commit for a year to do it, I guess, right? Well, yeah. my, my family said that, yes, if you decide to do this, you have to stick out the whole year. And, but you realize right off that that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it yeah. is. That's the that's the bad thing about blind schools is you're you're isolated with all those kids at night. You see the same kids at night as you have in the daytime. You get sick if one person gets sick. That's right. Everybody gets a cold if one person gets mm-hmm. a cold. And I did get to come home on the weekend, which was very nice. At the time, they had not started busing kids every weekend. Now, the next year, when I decided to um, commute again, Uh they had a bus that would come to my house and pick me up. Um, When I decided to commute again and be a day student, they started busing every Friday, which was great. So they took most of the kids home on weekends? Yes, all of them. Yeah. 
All of them. Of course, Texas is too big. You couldn't do that in Texas. They'd have to fly them, mm-hmm. you know. What do they do now? In Texas? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I, I guess those those people. I was, blind school now is mostly a it's a multi handicap kids that are blind and something else. Right. Have some other. So they're they're. I, I don't. I think most uh, people that are just plain blind. What a great title for a show. Now just plain blind. Mm-hmm. Brought to you by you know. Anyway, the kids that are just plain blind go to public school. I mean, they, you know, they they go to regular normal. Right. Public schools, maybe, because we had a couple here in 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 our area. A friend of Don Pat, this one of the guys that does the handyman show with me, was the sort of the special ed helper. He he brailed things for the kids in public school, and he uh, helped them if they with their computers and things. And a couple of those kids went to the blind school for a year. Now I didn't I don't understand why, but they went and lived at the blind school for a year. Maybe just to get the to get the skills to be the to be around to be around other blind mm-hmm. ch- children like like uh, Stan said to be you know to be around other other blind kids I don't I have no idea what they what they do as far as going home but we we just just quickly and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing about my blind school school experience we we had sometimes we had but the, uh, my teacher would also be my supervisor at the cottage so if you were in trouble in school you were in trouble at home right that's what made it terrible. That never happened with us. We had different teachers than we had dorm staff. You had and different dorm supervisors and teachers. Yeah. Always, all well, the way through school. We did too, eventually. But when I first, see, I started in blind school in '46, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they were <laughs> was those were primitive. They were, we were they were just a few years from losing us out in the woods, like they used to yeah, do I years ago. Yeah, I understand that because St. Augustine was still pretty. Uh, Old school, I'd say, when yeah. I started, even in 1964. Yeah. All right, Stacy, did you, did you, uh, what did you think you wanted to do when you got out of high school? What were your ideas, goals? Well, I, wa- I knew I wanted to go to college. Huh? And so I did. Um, I went to Middle Tennessee State University, which is in Murfreesboro, which is about a half hour from where we live now. Yeah, which is almost to Nashville. Mm hmm. Another few minutes and you'd be there yeah. on the interstate. Um, but I knew I wanted to go to college. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I, I got there, and it was a huge culture shock because, you know, you're used to doing everything in Braille and turning it in that way. Yeah. And we did stuff with computers, but we didn't have to turn very much in in print. And um, it was very difficult for me to get used to college and how things were done and the fact that professors who don't care like your teachers at the blind school did and you know you're one of maybe 15 or so blind people Mm -hmm. maybe maybe more in a class like 200 in a class oh gosh yes you know some of my first classes you'd be in these big lecture halls 90 people professor doesn't know you for matter and doesn't care doesn't care, no. Yeah. And math was my biggest struggle. Once I got a good math tutor, and I lived there. I didn't mm-hmm. commute for that. Um, but once I got a good math tutor and got through some of the math, I did okay. Um, Middle Tennessee State University, MTSU, has a very good disabled student services office. The uh-huh. person who runs it, John Harris, also went to the school for the blind where I went. Um, without them, I never would have made it. 
They were excellent. They help you. We're, we're talking about the early 90s. Surely that we had, uh, do we have RFB&D then that records books for oh, you? Oh, yeah. I you? had books from them. But this was just, I mean, it was a psychological adjustment to go from, you know, this little yeah. school where everybody's like you Yeah. to thousands and thousands of people. And you being one of the only blind, the only blind person around, really. Well, not the only, but one of a few. Now, you know, did, you did, didn't see all the other blind people every day. In other words, you didn't put all the blind people in a pen no. or anything. Uh-uh. No, I did room with a, f- a friend of mine who was blind, and I saw her every day. Uh-huh. But, you know, just getting adjusted to how different it was. Now, I managed. I The second year I was there, I, there was a spring picnic, and they um, insisted I come. I wasn't going to go. I went. They gave me the Independence Award. And, I, you know, I told the, the guy for the paper who interviewed me, I said, you know, it's nice they gave me this, but I was simply doing what everybody else does, going to school. I didn't feel I had done anything remarkable or special. Well, someone did. Yeah, someone did. And that that's really, it's a very big honor. And um, the next year, or that summer, I went and I got my first guide dog and um, got another roommate because my other roommate got an apartment off campus with a bunch of friends. So you got a sighted roommate this time or not? No, another blind person who also had a dog. And having a dog really helped because by then they were tearing up the campus and, you know, construction everywhere. A cane doesn't take you around those large holes that weren't there in the morning that are there now. <laughs> I, I know. I've, I've traveled with a cane. Um, so, but you, so you, what what were you studying? What were you attempting to, to get a degree? I first studied public relations, decided not to stick with that, um, and eventually ended up getting a BA in English with minors in mass communication and psychology. You know Garrison. You know you know who Garrison Keeler is. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. He says those English majors need to learn to say, "You want fries with that?" <laughs> so you know that's we have a niece that's going and she's going to be in, she's going to be an English teacher. She's going to be an English major. Uh, so you obviously your bent was toward writing some toward uh, uh, toward literary things. Well, uh, no, I actually wanted to go into customer service. <laughs> But I figured an English major, liberal arts, it's very well-rounded. I really wanted to do some sort of office thing, like secretary, receptionist, something like that. It never happened. (laughs) But but you got a B.A. in English. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, uh, now I am writing. And a minor in what? A minor in? Mass communications and psychology. I had two minors. Well, that's pretty well granted, but you, you uh, by then, customer service had become uh, something that blind people could do, and you, you figured, well, if nothing else, I'll just do that. Well, I like to talk. Oh, <laughs> no, no kidding. Talk, and so I wanted a phone job. Stan, we, we noticed that she likes to talk, hadn't we? we oh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> we figured that. That's but, I mean, you know, I figured blind people can do it. It's something I could do. The reason I called you, I got your name and I heard you in Newsreel. The reason I called you, I usually pick out out of Newsreel a couple of blind people who seem to be well-adjusted. You were bubbly happy and seemed to not be really worried about anything. Uh, yeah, you're a good talker. Uh, let's take a short break, and we want to talk about what Stan did, his after-school, after-blind school life. Back in a minute with more of our little show called Blind Like Me. 
recorder or are you interested in maybe getting a mini disc recorder? It seems to be a very popular mode of recording today. For many it's replaced the cassette recorder. And if you are interested in finding out more about mini discs, you should go to www.minidisc.org. That's M-I-N-I-D-I-S-C.org. They have reviews of different models of mini disc recorders. They talk about the technology, how it works. They have lists of places where you can purchase mini disc recorders. And anything you want to know about mini discs, you can find at that site. I would give it a screen reader friendly rating of an 8, and it's something you should definitely check out if mini discs are your thing. As a matter of fact, I'm recording these website reviews on mini disc. Until next time, this is Tim Cummings saying. Keep on blind sighting. If you found a screen reader friendly website you'd like us to mention, send your email to blindlikeme, all one word, at txucom.net. And join us again next time for Blind Sights. Hi, my name's Donna, and for the past blind five years I've listened. I'd love to move Love to a warmer is place, Blind. But, you know, Anyway, I'm around 32 years old, give or take a couple of years, and never been married. Oh, come close once or twice, but things just didn't work out. If you'd like more information about this exciting new magazine, phone toll-free 1-877-2220-679. That's one 877 2220679. Or you can receive the same information as an email. Our address is loveisblind, all one word, at blindlikeme.com. That's loveisblind at blindlikeme.com. Back with more blind like me, we were talking in the break about uh, feeling kind of sorry for yourself when, when if you're if you're blind and I don't stand doesn't Stacy doesn't. Know. What were you going to say, Stacy? Oh, I was going to say, you know, after college, I um, we moved to Nashville. I couldn't find a job, of course. <laughs> then September 11th happened, and Stan's job wasn't working out. He was having some issues, uh-huh. medical type things. And so we eventually ended up moving out to the country, close to where my parents live, where we should have probably been all along. And I got into lay speaking, but I'll go on, but that's not what I was going to say. Anyway, I eventually did that, but what I was going to say, it took moving out into the country and listening to Newsreel and someone's discussion about blind culture. Are we a culture? Are we a subculture? You know, in a big culture? Mm Mm-hmm. It took that discussion for me to finally say, it's okay to be this way. You, know, oh, yeah. you, you always hear people who are born, sighted people think people who are born blind, um, they're always okay with it. Yeah. You know, you don't have any issues because you don't know any better. Oh, that's not true. And it's so not true. 
And it took me, it took a lot of moves and moving out here and, and really getting in touch with myself to finally be okay with what I am, who I am, the blindisms that I happen to have. Well, but just let's explore this a little bit, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. You, it, it took that long for you to be okay with it. How was your not being okay manifesting itself? Well, you know, I wanted to have jobs like everybody else. I wanted to, I guess, sort of be sighted. I mean, one thing in getting a dog that I like, liked and still like, is it makes me feel more equal to the people around me. I don't have to go sighted guide in the mall with Stan or use a cane. I mean, sometimes I do, but I don't have to. I have an option. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel more equal even though to your typical observer, I look more blind. Even though having a dog is would be like wearing a shirt that says, I'm blind. Yes, and it does. It tells them immediately, ooh, she's blind, you know. But it makes me feel more comfortable, as close to sighted as you'll ever get. You know, I knew I'd never drive, so why not get a dog? In in the um, in my mid forties, I got really broke and had a house to to keep up and a wife to help support and car to to buy. And so I took a playing job. I hadn't done that in a long time, but I took a music job at a restaurant here in town. This restaurant had an outside garden. We called it the beer garden. I could get up from the bandstand and walk between tables perfectly to the bathroom and back without hitting anything. There is an eye doctor in town who bet $100 to a friend of his. That boy can see. Mm-hmm. Nothing has ever happened to me made me feel any better than that. That made me feel so good because I just looked like, you know, a uh, uh, hillbilly singer walking through the restaurant to the bathroom and back to his bandstand with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other, right. you know. Right. Uh, it, it, so you were uncomfortable with being blind. I, was, I didn't just, like using a cane, for one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just, I had little issues, like when my sister learned to drive and could go places. She and I are two years apart. I'm the yeah. youngest of five. The only one who's blind in my family. Okay. And, you know, she could go places. I couldn't. Not that a dog is going to get you anywhere real fast in a rural area. You're but, still going to have to have somebody drive you. Well, yeah, but... But yeah. they can drive you and drop you off. You know? Yeah. Here we are at Walmart. We'll pick you up in three hours. You know? Mm-hmm. Or call us when you're done or whatever. So you're so much more independent. And... For me, it was a huge psychological boost. I mean, I'm on dog number two now, but so you'd, you'd think moving to the country would have the opposite effect because you're hasn't. you're isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have a Walmart close. No, uh, you don't have a, a, a Lowe's Home Depot mm-hmm. or Home Depot, or you don't have Radio Shack. No. So you'd think that would have the opposite, but it had the effect of of calming you down and making you realize. This is something I can't change. I might as well enjoy it, you know? Well, I, lo- I miss, see, when we lived in Nashville, which is, you know, 45 minutes or so away, I didn't see my family that much. I mean, we'd go, would you say, Stan, probably a month or so without seeing them sometimes? Really? Yeah, because I had to work on Sunday. Right. And um, I think what happened, I realized that cities weren't all they were cracked up to be. Because living there, I couldn't get where I needed to be because we weren't on a bus line. 
So I still had to have family come and drive down and take me to interviews and stuff like that. And um, moving out into the country, it's funny because we're out here, and you would think you wouldn't do very much living out here in a rural area. We go places more now than we did when we lived in Nashville. What good is a Walmart if you can't get to it? Oh, I can get to it. Just no, I'm to... saying in, in the city, what good is it to have it exactly. if you can't get there? Well, yeah. that brings up a whole, you know, you could do a whole other show about accessibility and mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And where people choose to live and why. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a whole different topic on its own. I guess it is when because you think about it. Uh... A lot of my blind friends who live in cities don't understand how in the world I'd want to live out here. Of course, Stan, you, you've always had sight, Stan, and so this, these things have never been an issue for you except that you couldn't drive. That's not necessarily true. Uh, I'm the youngest of five as well, uh-huh. like Stacy. Yeah. And all of my brothers, I have three brothers and a sister who's passed away. Um, all of them could drive, and all of them went to public school. Uh-huh. So my issues were, why am I in a blind school and I can see when I got on up in the high Especially when I hit the seventh grade and I was starting to be the, you know, a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're a teenager, you want to, like, take on the world or whatever. Uh, it's like you want to do all of the things that other teenagers are doing. And I really, at some, one point in, during my school years, wanted to go to public school, wanted to be like my brothers, wanted to be able to, you know, go to school in New Smyrna where I lived yeah. and, like, just be normal. So, yeah, I think that a lot of um, blind people as in general, we have issues, but it's issues that a lot of us don't generally talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, if you wanted to go to public school, why didn't they just send you? My why parents did... felt that I was in the best place for me. And I mean, could not give up that idea. Yeah, they would not give up that idea. And looking back on it, I think they were right, but... You know, in, in so many ways, my life would have been completely different had I gone to public school. We never would have met. <laughs> you know, it would have been totally different. Totally, totally different. Because uh, You alluded to, uh, now, did we talk about, did you go to college when you got out of high school? Yes, I did. What, what, did you, what was your degree in? I don't I, think we got to that, did we? I did degree, actually, because in the 70s, there were no disabled student services. I didn't really get any help from the state uh-huh. or anything. When I went to college, and just like Stacy, it was a culture shock for me, especially coming from a small town, <laughs> moving to Jacksonville, Florida, which is a, is a large town. Yeah. And uh, there, were so, there were many other circumstances, but I didn't have help. I didn't have tutors. Uh, I spent a year and a half in college and flunked. I mean, not because I wasn't a good student, but just because it was so overwhelming and the work was very difficult. And the resources weren't there. The resources but, but, were, this, were uh, not there. This uh, f- uh, flunking, as you put it, or not making good grades in college was not party-related at all. No, not party-related. Party, party related. I was a, <laughs> well, I have to say now, I was a married 20-something. I married my high school sweetheart uh, right after high school. So mm-hmm. we were two young people trying to make it in the world. And failing miserably. And she was uh, totally blind? She was, she was, what was. No, she was partially sighted as well. Uh-huh. But we were two young people that had no clue about, you know, life or anything because <laughs> everything was so different outside of the blind. Yeah. 
I, I guess that would be true. So you, you tried a little college, and you just it didn't work out for you. It did not work out at What all. were you aspiring to be if you had completed your college? College for business management in broadcasting. Well, maybe it's better. Maybe you're better off that you failed at that, because <laughs> uh, you could have got a job as a salesman at the local station. Well, you, you, you know, there are people yeah, but who in a roundabout way. I wound up back where I started. To be honest with you, there are people who make money in radio. I just never was one of them. Anyway, well, go go I, ahead. I went through. I worked in educational media at Daytona Beach Community College uh-huh. as an audio technician. Wound up as a cameraman on a television crew. This is unusual for a blind person. It's really unusual for a blind person. I wound up as a cameraman on a television crew working in their television station at the college. And from there went on to work for a friend of mine who was my boss at the college at the time in a production company making documentaries and in-house, I mean, and PR pieces for companies that didn't have in-house PR. Oh, okay. So... Now, I wound up in the in the business of media altogether, and wound up working in radio and everything without a degree. Now you you say you you were a cameraman. You could see well enough to do that. Yes, uh huh. I was a cameraman on various things when they needed a cameraman. Uh, I was able the the man that I was working for took enough time to teach me how to do it, and. I could see well enough to be effective in the position with his tutelage, you know, Mm -hmm. to at least hold my own with professional cameramen. We had a man there at the college that worked for NBC, had worked for NBC. As a cameraman? As a cameraman. I worked right along beside him as a cameraman, having never done it before. Now, you say you did audio production. We were still on reel-to-reel tapes back then. Yes, we were still on. We were still on. We were just getting into computers and digital uh, things when I left the college. I mean, they downsized, and since I had been there the least amount of time, my position was one of the first positions to go. And we were just getting into computer technology, and I was just learning about digital audio tape and everything uh, when yeah. I left the college and went to work for a small recording company, um, duplicating um, half-speed masters. D- make, just making copies of them. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you and, and so you did this one, so you cut and spliced and, and, oh, yes. and all that sort of thing. You, mm-hmm. you know all about that. Did you go on to learn to do digital editing? No. Uh, I haven't had the experience to really be in the position to learn digital editing, although yeah. it's something that I feel that I would be very interested in, you know. Well, uh, you know, there's. Uh, I'll tell you. We could tell you about this off. I guess there's a little program called Gold Wave that costs fifty bucks. Uh-huh. That they say is, is it's as blind friendly and as good as anything that you can download for fifty dollars. Wow! And uh, it does. You know, it'll do. It'll. Edit, you can. You can. That's how Ed, Irwin edits newsreel on Gold Wave now. Oh, he used, I thought he used SoundForge. Well, he may be using SoundForge, but it's a similar pro. Some people think Gold Wave is a better program than SoundForge. Mm. And SoundForge is, of course, much more expensive. Anyway, we'll get into that off uh, off thing. Uh, and and so you you worked in Nashville up until the time you all moved to the country. Uh, actually, well, we've been married six about years. six and a half years almost. Yeah. And when when I first moved here from Florida, uh, I worked at Goodwill Industries. Okay. And then I worked at Murphy Center, which is the big sports complex. What did you do there? College. I worked on the custodial staff. Okay. 
And then after that, we moved to Nashville. Then we moved to Nashville, and I worked at the blind school. For a while. You worked at the blind school doing what? I was a youth service worker or a dormitory person. I worked as a like a house parent. Is that right? Back at, at the blind school that she had gone to? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. My heavens. Well, my, so, boss, my boss at the blind school was a teacher that I'd had way back in high school in Florida. It's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a small world and getting smaller. Um, now, t- just quickly tell me the story of you two meeting, one of you. Stacy, do it. Fascinating. Well, I started getting newsreel in about 1995 or six, I think. Uh-huh. And I was looking for this song by Jim Ed Brown, The Three Bells by Jim Ed Brown and the Browns. Yeah, I have it on CD. Okay. Well, I get this tape from this person. I, have, I was also selling something at the time, so I thought that this was somebody who wanted to buy whatever it was I was selling. It wasn't. He says, Stan says, well, he has this song. Do I want it? I write him back. We keep writing, eventually exchange phone numbers, and the rest is history. And so you met through Newsreel. Yes. Yes. Does Erwin does know this story? Has he heard this story? I don't know, but he will come November's Newsreel because I'm going to put it on. That's what I was going to say. It would be a good thing to put on the, on Newsreel. It would, it would really be a good story to, for, for them. That's the kind of thing I think Newsreel thrives on, you know? We wrote, we wrote to each other. We started writing in 1996 because it was right when the Olympic torch was coming through here. Uh-huh. I remember because it came by the house. Um, and we met in 97, February 27th, 1997, around 2.45 in the afternoon. Well, you, you, <laughs> seem, you seem to be very happy together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you seem to have a, a good relationship, and that's very important. Yes, I think so. And um, part of the, I think the basis for that is that we communicated first. Mm-hmm. We wrote on tape, and we talked on the phone. Because I read Braille, and he reads print. Before so we, we ever saw each other. So you made friends before you ever before you ever saw each other. Oh sure, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I just wonder how many stories there would be like yours of people who met through Newsreel. I, I bet there would be. Yeah, I bet there would too. be several. He might he might consider we might write him and suggest that he put together a special Newsreel edition of of couples that met at Newsreel. We'll I come up with an good. acronym for it. All right. Oh, if you're gonna, I, I go should ahead. say before you close off. Okay. That I don't do nothing out here in the country. What I mean, do you do? I You're am writing. a lay speaker for the United Methodist Church. Okay. I am a certified lay speaker. I don't want people to think I got my BA and now I don't use it. <laughs> um, I actually am going next week to take another course called Lay Speakers Tell Stories. And what I do, I fill in for my own minister at my church, uh-huh. which now that I'm certified can pay if the church can afford it. And I guest speak at other churches who also can pay me if they choose to. So I use my BA, I write sermons, you know, for whatever somebody says I want you to speak. Mm -hmm. I look at, you know, if it's Christmas, I'll do something on Christmas. And you get to do one of your favorite things, and that is talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right, if you're going to advertise you PacMate, you better do it, because we're just about out of time. I don't. You think I should? Sure. Stacy yeah. has a Packmate for sale. Tell us about your yeah. Packmate, and maybe we'll, well sell it for you. Okay. It's a Packmate TNS. I've had it one month today. Okay. It's barely been used because I really, it just doesn't meet my needs. It, it isn't what you wanted. Yeah. It's what I, it's what I thought I wanted. <laughs> um, it Go doesn't ahead. meet my needs. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, 
It's in good condition. Like I said, I've only had it a month today. It has a modem with it. It's a compact flash modem. It slides into a little slot, and then you... Sure. The, you know. And um, I would like to sell it for $900. That includes shipping within the United States. I can't okay. sell to anyone outside the what, United What can you buy one from Freedom Scientific or wherever it came from? What can you? What do they get for them? What did you pay for it? They are $1,995. So this is a half-price deal. Mm-hmm. All right. Give us. You want to give your phone number? Uh, I think I'll give my email. That's good. Email is um, S-T-A-C-E-Y. Dot R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N-1. The number one. The number one. The number one. one. At earthlink.net. And then if someone is interested, I can give you my phone number if you will email me. All right. Very good. Stan and Stacy Robinson from, I've forgotten again, tell me. Eagleville. Eagleville. I should, I should be able to remember that. I hope to, uh, to sit down and visit with you all uh, someday, and maybe that opportunity will present itself. We... We go to Tennessee occasionally. It's about time we went back to Nashville and saw the Opry before there is no more Opry. We just went. That's another subject that we could talk oh, about. Oh, for hours. We you, just went in May. Are you both country music people? Yes, you, is you that right? Fans, period. Country you're just music fans, period. Well, I'm a country music So you can get WSM 24 hours a day. Yep. That was my. If, if someone had asked me if I wanted to be president or do afternoons at WSM when I was 18, I would have chosen the afternoon job at WSM. You know, you'd be good there. I would be. Mm-hmm. Call them and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to work there myself. I, I would. I would love to work there. We actually celebrated our anniversary at the Opryland Hotel. Is that right? We Spent, went to the hotel and went to the Opry. Three nights there, and it was the most awesome. Still paying for experience. <laughs> I was going to say, and expensive. I've done yeah. it. It's it's an expensive place to stay. It is. But it's a, it's a wonderful big hotel. They have a, a studio there. They're broadcasting on the XM satellite, I guess, all the time. Yes, they are. We'll never right. forget it. I mean, awesome. i got to go. We're, we've run completely out of time. I don't know when I'll run this, but I'll let you know. Stacy and Stan Robinson from Eagleville, Tennessee, thank you for doing this show with me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, what a nice couple they are, huh? What do you think? Seems like really nice people. Um, let me remind you about Houston. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you want information about it, you better call me quick because we're about out of time to do it. 936-634-9500. Phil Parr at txucom.net. That'll get you information also. We'd love to have you in Houston. We're going to have a good time. That's November 5th, 6th, 7th. We go home on the 8th. Call me, 936-634-9500. Thank you much. We'll see you next week. More Blind Like Me.